Welcome to Accelerate Your Wealth, a podcast by Rebecca Robertson, founder and director of Evolution Financial Planning. This series, we're focusing on female financial independence, looking towards a stronger financial future. Be sure to let us know your thoughts on the show, and please do connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram, or head over to www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk. So it's so lovely to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to chat with you. Well, I've known you for a few, well, many years, and I can imagine you've come across many different scenarios of different women, of different lifetimes, with different backgrounds, different cultures. I imagine you've, you've, you've seen quite a lot. I mean, what do you think is the main driver for women to want to move away from relationships, change relationships and leave their partners after possibly years of courtship and possibly a fancy wedding and what's what do you think tends to be the main reason that happens well it's a great question because it's it varies so much but I think if you drill down on what I see the most it usually comes down to a breakdown in communication somewhere along the line um and I think that you know sometimes we put up with things and we you know just sort of gloss over issues so it might be that there's small things that irritate you in a relationship um it might be some behaviors they have you know one of my clients at the moment she just got sick of him dropping his clothes on the floor around the wash basket which (laughs) and never in the wash basket which was her thing but you know that on its own isn't enough but when you start then to stack other things that happen you know little things that have grated along over the years and never really been addressed, you know, and then there was one pretty major incident. And again, that was never really resolved. So things get brushed under the garbage. Yeah, quite often with us Brits, we don't like conflict. We don't like to face things so much. So we just sort of go, oh, well, I'll tolerate it. Or I want to avoid an argument. Or maybe you do have an argument, but you don't resolve it because you both disagree. And then you carry a little bit of resentment forward. And that sort of starts to stack up. And I think when we start avoiding each other and we're happy when, you know, they're out playing golf or, you know, she's out playing tennis or whatever, then then that becomes a problem. So I think these things usually happen over a period of time. Although recently, given the pandemic, obviously we've seen a huge rise in domestic abuse. Mm. And that, again, is something that has really escalated, especially in the last couple of years. So there are lots of different reasons um but you know yeah there's not one thing and I I was speaking to somebody else earlier on today um on another for for another show and and she comes from um, a police officer who's worked with domestic abuse cases and researched um 50 uh, she had to do this for the 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 headquarters 50 um recent murder cases and see what trends were in place so that they could then put protocols to help people going forward for any sort of triggers and you know what was came from the conversation for me was there's no one thing there's no one rule like you but what she did say was is that people tend to be they're going to be abusive or they're going to be right at the beginning there's there's flat red flags right at the beginning um which I, I found really interesting um because I think a lot of people wouldn't see it right you wouldn't you, you just you know you love the person so you're not going to see yeah. it I mean I'm a survivor myself and I think you know ultimately 
you don't go into a relationship sort of looking for red flags necessarily unless you've been in a really toxic relationship and have learned some lessons which I guess is what I work with clients on but I think when you go in you have your rose-tinted glasses on Mm. and quite often getting into a toxic relationship there are tactics used called love bombing which make you feel like a million dollars you feel amazing and everything is so wonderful and it's fairy tale and so romantic and lots of gifts and holidays and nice places and promises of you know love forever and security and being a soulmate I so you want to believe that you don't want yeah. to start looking for the who problems who wouldn't and and you know if you think about my upbringing we it wasn't the uh quite the equality that we have now with my daughter um who will quite quickly say to somebody no you can't say that anymore she recently had an argument with her PE teacher because they wouldn't let her play rugby with the boys you know we're talking a different generation of, of children girls that we're we're bringing up um, but when I was younger, the fairy tale story books were still, you know, we're going to meet a um, knight in shaman armor and they're going to look after us and we'll run away into the sunset, right? Um, but that's not reality, is it? No, I mean, you know, I, I think there's no harm in wanting the best and in dreaming big and in sort of creating a future vision for yourself. Because I think we all need to have something to aim to and that gets us excited. I think we've got to be realistic, you know, and mm. especially in society today with such a culture of you know a disposable culture if you like if you don't like it you change it whether it's your mobile phone whether it's a piece of clothing whether it's your boyfriend or your husband you know (laughs) if it's not working out change it for a new one and also the celebrity culture shows us that it looks very easy doesn't it you know I mean you just take someone I don't know like J-Lo for example um and you know she's got she's in love with someone one minute and it looks amazing and then that person's out of her life and then someone else just equally as amazing is in her life and she's happy but actually what most people don't see is the tears and the heartbreak behind that but I think again celebrity culture sort of shows us that actually you know just ditch them and move on you'll find somebody else but it's not about that it's about reconnecting with yourself and working out what you want and what makes you happy because you don't find some you know love in someone else like that's that line in the story you know you complete me you know (laughs) from the Tom Cruise movie you must have seen that Jerry Maguire you complete well you know I think that's dangerous because actually Mm. we need to complete ourselves and nobody else is going to fix the gaps in us so yeah there is a bit of a a voyage to go on there of of empowerment for ourselves and I love that and I, I love that point that you make because we have to ask the question you know marriage um I come from a religious family when I was growing up um and marriage to me was sort of almost once you're married that's it like you you don't get divorced that that, that's a no-no my dad actually got divorced and you know in our religious culture that was like a big no-no and we are talking like a long time ago now this there's not the same stigma anymore with being a divorcee that there used to be but I know from friends and from clients in the past that pe- people don't want to be a divorcee culturally we still want to be you know this white picket fence ideal scenario right but what what change do you think um do you think women's expectations changed our requirements of what we expect of reality has changed and some men haven't evolved in that what what do you think's gone on right because there's a big cultural shift happening yeah I think I think we all deserve to be happy I think that's something that's shifted I think looking after ourselves is not seen so much as selfish it's more self-care which is important and you can't look after anyone else until you're looking after yourself first so I think that's been something that with yeah, mental well-being 
on the front page of newspapers now. I think it's something that's not shunned or so there's no stigma around it now. So it's okay to look after yourself. And if you're not happy, you deserve a chance to be happy. So I think, you know, women's standards may have increased, you know, the self-worth, self-esteem, the belief in ourselves that we can have whatever we want. And it's not a man's world. It's, you know, there for the taking. And, you know, we sometimes maybe have to work a little bit harder because we're juggling maybe more things in the home. Not always, but sometimes. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. And we do have to fight still against stereotypes, I think, you know, and, you know, it's shocking that it's taken so long to get equal pay and things like that. But I think, I think things have shifted to give us more hope. And I think it's all positive. And I think on the whole, men are embracing it and they want that too. So I think, you know, I think things are changing for the good, which is, which is great. And it's about now not being our own worst enemy and holding ourselves back because maybe we harbor some of those old traditions in our mind from families Mm. and just witnessing what we grew up with. You know, if your mom stayed at home and your dad went to work, maybe that's a little bit ingrained in you still. So I think Mm. we've got to push our own boundaries and start dreaming big and thinking, well, I can create the future I want to live. So what mm. is it? It's not what I should do or what I've been told in the past that I have to do. It's what do I want to do? And what mm. do I need for me to feel fulfilled? And well, I've been through coaching programs before. And one of the main things it talks about when it comes to, okay, you've, you've got this sort of new way of thinking and you need to get your partner involved, involved is actually the first thing is to sit down with them and say to me I need I need to have this conversation with you and it's almost like framing it like like men were not not being derogatory like anybody need that sort of framework to, so they can sort of prepare themselves for the potential conversations so they can think things through without feeling like they're being you know railroaded my husband describes it where I'll come at him like you know like a jackrabbit with a million questions all at once and he's just like trying to process it all um and so what this this course program is uh, called one one of many Dr Joanna Martin she talked about okay when is it convenient it sounds a bit like work but this is what men protect you know I, I found this with my husband um it, when is it convenient for us to have this conversation I need to talk to you about this problem and this is I don't want to get into it now but is, is tomorrow maybe we could go for a drink or so, you know something like that and then when you sit down and you have the conversation they're sort of mentally prepared and they understand what's coming and they've maybe all men like to have a you know this better than I do but men like to sort of whether we like it or not, ladies, they, they, they like to sort of be the saviour and they like to be a problem solver Mo- for most men. Um, my husband's like that. He doesn't, he doesn't want me coming always with problems. He likes me to sort of come and say, I got this problem. This is what I'm doing. Is that all good? Um, but they like to go, well, OK, this is what we can do. And they like to come together as a team. Right. Um, and I found that worked really for me because it was one of the things you said right at the beginning, Sarah, is that divorce and this change and that the main thing that you've found is lack of communication and then women are shifting and changing there's more cases of domestic abuse than ever and my brain's going okay so this comes back to communication this comes back to having conversations earlier on when the red flags aren't red they're maybe just a little white one right and what conversations should we be having and how we should be having those conversations with our partner and where do we start with that like I just feel like I've gone on a massive rant, but that's sort of like this download into my head that's just come out of my mouth. And I'm sure I'm hopefully going to agree with me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think when it comes down to domestic abuse and abusive relationships, there's no amount of communication that's going to save you from that, apart from you deploying your parachute and getting the hell out. These Mm. people are tactical. They are always manipulating. They are lying. They are gaslighting. So confusing behavior. 
So there's no communication. If they know mm. what you're thinking, they'll use that against you. So communication isn't going to save you in a domestically abusive situation, whether that's emotionally or violently, whatever it is, financially controlling, any of those forms of abuse, just get out. That's wow. the only way out. That's, your, that's a really strong message. I love it. Yeah, well, it's true. There's nothing, you, you know, the more you negotiate, the more you reveal, well, I know you're doing this and this is you know, controlling, then they're going to try and crush you even more so that you're not wow. going to speak out. So actually, the best thing to do is not discuss anything with them. Speak to friends, get advice from your local domestic abuse charity, phone the police if you're in danger, make sure you're safe, get a safe plan for you to exit, because that's mm. not always safe. And in fact, in the UK, talking about homicides earlier, 30% of domestic homicides in the UK happen within three months of separation from wow. a toxic relationship. And most of those are not violent. Most of them are wow. emotionally abusive. But when mm. you start to pull away and they lose control wow. over you, that's when they ramp up their efforts. So again, you have to be very careful if you're thinking about leaving a toxic relationship to make sure that you're safe to do so and find a way that you are so it might not be oh my goodness I am in an abusive relationship mm. I must leave now it might be right I am how do I get the support around me and the support especially in the UK is available through domestic abuse charities and the police safeguarding teams amazing amazing and for those that aren't in domestic situations or abusive of any kind mental or physical um, and they're wanting to have these conversations about potentially making some changes you know where would they start well this is a great question because it's really important I think to sit down and start with everything you love about your partner so when you go out for that drink that you were talking about okay. earlier, your partner having having agreed a, a a good time so there's no interruptions but also a safe place in, as in you can both be open to express how you feel but not take offense and not start an argument so having those sort of ground rules to start with but then obviously dealing with it sensitively. So I would always suggest that both of you start with, this is what I love about you and our relationship. So it could mm. be, yeah, sometimes it's good to think about this in advance because if you're scrabbling around in the moment, that doesn't bode well. <laughs> That's not going to go down well, isn't it? I, no. love the, I love, my husband does this with me. Um, and he says, I like a great cheese sandwich and, and he loves a cheese sandwich. That's really lovely. So romantic. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. But I mean, yeah. it's about thinking through. So, yeah, I love the way you make uh, you make me a cup of tea on a Sunday morning in bed because it makes me feel loved and special and I don't have to walk the dog in the cold. So, you know, whatever it is, it's those kind of you know, thinking through, you know, but mm. then coming on to right areas to improve, not areas that you really irritate me and I cannot tolerate you, but areas we need to improve, maybe. And framing it maybe in a way that says, you know, when you do this, I'm not sure if you realize, but it makes me feel like this. So, you know, when you drop your socks on the floor by the wash bin, but not in the wash bin, I'm not sure if you realize, but if it was your intention or not, but it makes me feel upset, aggravated and annoyed. Is that your intention? Because that's how I'm feeling. Yeah. And then they get the chance to go, well, no, I'm just sorry. I'm just being lazy or I'm just being, okay, now I know that it's making you feel that way. I'm going to just go the extra mile. So, it's about how you phrase it in a gentle way so you don't just escalate everything to world war three and yeah, then so you're you know getting annoyed every five minutes right by going why have you left those on the floor well I'm a, you're just inviting aggression back right it's not nagging it's not criticizing it's right now third stage let's work out some steps we can each commit to different steps so you're committing to putting the socks in the wash bin 
and I'm going to commit to, I don't know, doing the drying up every week or whatever. So, mm. and we're going to put those all communicating, telling you how I feel, giving you a hug or being more affectionate. And so you put together a plan, each of you for three to five steps that you can stick to for the next 12 weeks. Okay. And then you do your best because in 12 weeks, you're going to have a lot more clarity at the end of that. Is this going to work? Mm. Are these changes sustainable? Because a lot of time people say, I cannot do this, or I'm not going to be making your dinner every night, or I'm not going to be able to be more affectionate with you. I just can't do it. Mm. So at least at the end of that 12-week period, you're going to know, can I continue with this or not? But you have to give it a go. And both of you agree to give it a go and yeah. see where you are. Because a lot of the time people don't make decisions or they're not sure what to do because they don't have enough clarity. If you have more clarity, you're going to get more power. You'll be able to make a better informed decision. Whether it's the one you want to make or not, that's, you know, that will be, that will come out in the wash over those 12 weeks. But it's important to, to do something different, to both step up and agree to work together and support each other through that process. I think that's, that's the, the thing, though, isn't it? It's both parties wanting to participate and wanting to make an effort. And if one is not, that really gives you the answer already, doesn't it? Well, yes and no, because sometimes by you stepping up and you making those changes, the other person then maybe four, five, six weeks down the line starts to think, actually, they're making an effort. I'm going to step up, too. So right. it can be contagious in a positive way. So I wouldn't say, oh, well, they are not prepared to even start this. So I'm out. I would say you make some changes that you think would help even if you can't communicate with your ex and just see if you can defrost the situation enough for them mm. to come towards you because everybody's different. Some people are very stubborn. Some people are saying, well, I'm not making any changes. It's all with you. It's all your fault. Mm. And let's try and defrost it a little bit and just see. I mean, obviously we don't want this to get into an abusive sort of dynamic where you're doing all the effort and they're sitting back doing nothing. Mm. So it's about being vigilant and just watching for that. But again, you'll have a lot of clarity six weeks or 12 weeks down the line. You'll know. They're not prepared. Yeah. So therefore, there's your there's your answer. There's your answer. And financially speaking, in sort of relationships, at that sort of stage, where we're talking pre-divorce stage, financially speaking, what do you think is the biggest thing that people seem to argue about, about when it comes to money? Uh, pre-divorce, well, spending budgets, Christmas is a nightmare usually, you know, all those sorts of things, school fees, school, you know, what, what school to send your kids to, um, you know, Moving house, bigger car, yeah. all of it. And where it's do people so start like picking that apart? So I've been talking about this a little bit in another podcast show where I talked about this sort of financial equality piece. And it does depend on the individual people's circumstances because you can't, you know, your mate down the pub might do it one way. Your girlfriend at the nail bar might do it another way. It, it doesn't mean that's how it's going to work for you guys. It, it, it's, it's individual. Um, but what often happens is, a, you know, stereotypically here, I do have a lot of uh, female breadwinners in my client base, but society-wise, there's a couple, married or not, have children, she decides to stay at home, look after the children. That happens now in 2021, soon 2022. Um, myself, 13 years ago when I had my first child, got made redundant while I was pregnant and the recession hit in my industry. So I, I went through a very traumatic process, uh, but I did eventually start work again, but it was working part time in a very low paid administration job, not my senior regional manager job <laughs> that I'd had previously. Right. And I then had gaps in my pension. I had gaps in my salary. I was being for a period of years. My husband was giving me an allowance 
And that drove a lot of my power to want to be financially independent and where I am today. And not because I, I, I could have been looked after if we want to frame it like that. And, and this is no judgment on anyone's cho- financial choices or life choices. We all have our own way of wanting to do things, right? But I guess my question is, is where do women start with that? If they're in a relationship and it's been one way for quite some time or they want to go back to work or they don't feel like it's equal or they're having those conversations where it always ends up with, well, I'm paying all the bills, you're not. The people that are married, it's not going to get any better at divorce. It's 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 twice as hard, which can be off-putting in itself, I imagine, to then change more, move house more, up, you know, change children, schools. Where do you start with all of that? Well, when you're going through a divorce, I think it, it brings out the worst in the best of people. Mm. <laughs> so if there are arguments and there have been tensions around finance before, really you can count on there being more fuel on the fire for the divorce because you're splitting up a lifestyle, you're separating, you know, so it's two homes, it's you know, two bedrooms for the kids, it's it's everything is 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 becoming more expensive because you've got to you've got to have fun two different lifestyles Mm. yeah and quite often if one of you know so for example in your example if if the woman hasn't worked for a while and she has been dependent on her husband that can be really scary like not knowing your financial future having to downsize your lifestyle having to make sacrifices you know compromises on where you shop and what you wear and you know kind of holidays do that definitely it's 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 actually quite traumatic they're used to a certain way of life thing is yes it is a change but it's a change for the good because number one you're coming out of a toxic relationship or a relationship that hasn't worked for you so it's unhealthy for you whether it's toxic or just it's broken down over the years it's not making you happy and even if you weren't the one to make the decision to leave if your partner wasn't in love with you and treating you you know with the love and you know affection that you deserve then it wasn't the right relationship for you anyway you're staying in a loveless relationship or one way you're not sure if they really care or not is very damaging to yourself. So mm. getting out is actually the start of something new. And it is actually a really positive step forward for you if you choose it to be so, because there's a decision mm. to be made there. Either you step up and say, right, this is tough. No doubt about it. This is tough. You know, and mm. I deal with people going through this every single day in my coaching clinic. But what can I do right now to make it better? And one of those things is your financial settlement from a divorce or where you end up when you separate from a partner is not where you're going to be forever. It's just where you are in that moment in time. So you want to clear that down, figure out what you're legally entitled to. Don't be afraid to go for what you're legally entitled to. That's your rights. It's not like you're a gold digger, which I hate when that term is used, when, you know, some you know some in the press as well they often say gold digger she's going for this she's legally entitled to it if he's Mm. not giving it to her who's the thief oh yeah don't get me started when you have to get you know uh, accountants involved in auditing you know financial backgrounds because they're hiding stuff offshore like it's not good no and I actually just interviewed a forensic accountant for my podcast heartbreak to happiness the other day and she was saying how you know it's just been so busy for her really at the moment because there's so many more divorces since the pandemic and people are hiding money and it's just horrendous. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it is a positive and you don't have to think, right, right now, that's it. This is what I'm left with. My lifestyle's decimated because now you will have so many more opportunities when you're out of a relationship that wasn't working for you. You know, when things aren't, aren't right in the relationship, 
the energy doesn't flow. You're not going to get no. the opportunities. You're not going to see them, even if they smack you in the face. <laughs> so now you're out, right? And you can be more creative and you can get back to, you know, what do I really want to do? What do I love? What's my passion? And find ways to generate extra revenue streams from what you love. And that will completely shift your life. So, you know, it is tough, but actually, you know, getting through that tough part of the separation can then turn into a really positive future. But you have to decide, you have to step up, then you have to obviously put that in motion, but it is possible. And there's lots of people that can help support you through that. Mm, I love it. I love that point. That's really great. And and I suppose when it comes to these um, women, I don't know about you, but when I'm, I have a lot of women that contact me via my website. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> um, I'm not a divorce coach, but one of the things that they're initially looking for is from a financial perspective, that financial breakdown of like, what can I get? And I've, when I first started, I'd speak to so many women and now I physically just don't have the time for those kind of inquiries as initial, just a free consultation. But when I did, um, I'd often talk about, okay, what's your current setup? How's it currently working? What are you earning? What's he earning? What's the mortgage situation? What's the pension situation? And I, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't tell her what's going to happen. And I say, OK, so now this is it could go this way. It could go that way. From a settlement perspective, you might get 50 50. You might get 40 percent of the house and more of the pension. You might get it depends on whether they deem who's having the children, how old the children are, maintenance. There's there's so many things to take into consideration. But you've you've got to get a really good lawyer in place to sort of fight your corner. If that's what you, you know, if, if there's a fight to be had some often when it comes to money, unfortunately that's often the case um but they are like I think what you said was is that their their outcome of what the rest of their life looks like is off the back of that financial conversation and they're preparing themselves to leave some of them haven't even announced that they're leaving I know one particular lady she's um planning to divorce him next year and she had that conversation with me 18 months ago like there's a long it's a long lead up right um but what what makes I guess the right decisions for somebody at the right time is is different for everybody you nobody knows when it's the best time and at the end of the day staying an extra six months is that going to do you or your finances any good who who knows like you don't know whether that his pension's going to grow whereas if it was in your name it could have been grown in your name um it, it, there's just too many you have to sort of draw a line in the sand right and see where the chips land Yes, I, I agree. You know, you can't sort of procrastinate if it's not right. But there's also an argument for getting your ducks in a line. So, mm. for example, if you don't have much control over the finances, you don't have any savings in your own name. You know, there might be a case and quite often there is to just take some time out and say, right, OK, let's put a little bit more colour on the what does my future look like without my my current partner? You know, just throwing some colour at it, thinking, OK, where would I live? What would my lifestyle be? What would I be able to afford? So going through the bank statements, working out your budget, what you think it would work out at. Taking legal advice behind the scenes, you're not going to be maybe disclosing that, but just working out roughly what your pot might look like mm. and then where that, what that would mean for you. Because mm. quite often when you announce you're leaving, things can disappear. Financial information can move around. Um, especially in a toxic relationship. So it's, it's quite handy to maybe get some savings together, which might take a couple of months. It might be uh, worth sort of trying to get information on the different financial um, 
you know, bank accounts and things that you have, looking mm. at, you know, how much money you own cars and houses and that kind of thing, just so you're in a stronger position and mm. you can start to really plan because it's very scary leaving a relationship and not knowing what the future looks like. Yeah. So for the sake of a couple of months, maybe six months, just taking some time to plan will actually give you a bit more of a confident start when you do actually leave. And if they do start hiding things and things disappear and move around, well, you've got enough documentation so that you can prove what you have, which again is important because, you know, I don't really like, well, I definitely do not like the family court system in the UK for going through a divorce. It's very difficult. It's not, it's not designed to run smoothly or amicably. It's quite, you know, it engenders a lot of aggression towards each other which can be very difficult. So I think, you know, if you can resolve it as amicably as possible, that would be great. And you can go to mediation, you can find a way to do it amicably. And, you know, family lawyers can be extremely expensive. So, you know, if you've got a bit more of understanding yourself, you're going to be less reliant on everybody else. So if you can find information, if you can, um, you know, get your ducks in a line, it probably will be a beneficial thing for you in the long run. And tell me if I'm, I'm wrong here, but there's there's lawyers and then there's mediators. So the mediator is often poss- possibly got a legal background, uh, not always, but they've certainly got a legal understanding and they mediate the process, but they don't give legal advice. So they would sit down with a couple and basically thrash it out with having a third party in the room. I mean, do you think that's a benefit to some couples? A benefit to couples if they're amicable or... Yeah, there can be conflicts, you know, arguing over who's getting the piano and who's seen the dog at weekends. Fair enough. But toxic relationships, it it's, can be very damaging for people to go through that victims of abuse because it is just another round in, with the perpetrator. So, you know, that they're not going to agree on anything and it could, could be quite a bullying experience. But there are, you know, there's a new thing coming out at the moment called hybrid mediation, which means you don't have to sit in the same room, which can be a better medium for mediation if you are in a toxic relationship. It's definitely cheaper to do mediation than to go through court. Court is extremely expensive and can spiral because it's out of your hands then. It goes into the system. And once you're in the system, that's, you know, can be very expensive. It doesn't have to be, you know, and there's some great people in that system who can, you know, advise you. But you know, sometimes it can spiral out of control, especially with a toxic partner. So ultimately, mediation for people that want a fair resolution to the divorce, even if there's a bit of conflict, they don't, you know, they're happy on, you know, they ultimately want to find a fair resolution for both parties, it can work really well. If someone's hell-bent on annihilating you, then mediation (laughs) is not the best way to go. Although, having said that, this hybrid mediation could possibly, it seems at this early stage with it, being a way forward for people in that situation. Amazing. I didn't know about that hybrid thing. That's great. And um, it can take a long time, right? A divorce can take a long time. Um, And so for people that are reliant on taking equity out of their existing homes and selling houses and then the person, one of the parties might not have enough income to purchase a second home. And then the whole divorce process is in reliant on them agreeing what the outcome is so that they can all move on. You know, I know couples that end up sometimes, ex-couples living with each other for excessive amounts of time, which is not healthy for anybody. And I don't either think the children. Um, What's the solution to that? Because unless one of the persons goes, hey, I'll move out, don't worry, we'll just resolve this and let our lives go on, which in a toxic relationship would likely to, to happen. They often want to hang on for every every inch that they and penny that they can. But we have to consider 
the outcome here of, of children and what that effect would have on them. Um, I just found it a really intricate area to consider when you've got often the woman who is, I, I see it all the time, they, they come to us and they ask, can we have a mortgage of capacity? Um, the house is worth at 600,000, I'm earning 35,000, which by the way, puts them in like the top 1% of the world because they earn more than the average in the whole world, even on that salary, it's more than the UK average. So they're on a, even a relatively good salary. Um, and I need to buy them out and they've got a mortgage of 150, say, they can't get a mortgage, it's not affordable. So you have to rely on the house being sold and it being severed, but it's in the catchment area of the children going to school. And then you've got a situation where they couldn't buy a house that's big enough for either party. And I think that that for women can be a big off, off putting. It's not just necessarily their lifestyle that they're changing themselves. They don't they don't sometimes don't quite care about their change of well, I can't go to the David Lloyd gym anymore or wear you know, really nice handbag, have had nice handbags and shoes. It's the, it's the schooling of the children, even if it's not private school, it's a, that the particular catchment area is quite expensive and their friends are in that area, etc. I mean, there's no real way, way around that though, is there? Uh, unfortunately not. But again, you know, this is, is, is a, there's more to consider here. I mean, obviously some people will stay because that will be their priority and everyone is, you know, everyone's got to make their own decisions and prioritise where they feel best. And a lot of it can be out of fear as well because the fear of the change, will the kids be okay? You know, one thing I've learned is that kids are a lot more resilient than we think they will be. And quite often we're putting our own doubts and insecurities onto them. Mm. Um, and they will take their lead from us, which is really important because whether we like it or not, we are role models for our kids and they will be looking at your relationship, your marriage and saying, this is what love is. This is what relationships are. Now, if mum's miserable all the time or not being treated well or unfulfilled or sad, then that's what they're going to assume is the norm. Mm. It's only when they get older and start making their own decisions, they may challenge that. But by that point, their beliefs will have already been formed. You know, our beliefs mm. as human beings are formed by the age of seven. Yeah. So really what they're watching, what they're seeing from you, what you're reinforcing is that this is what married life is. And then that is a life lesson they're going to take forward with them. So what do you want your kids to think? Do they, you know, surely it's a good life lesson to say, look, if it's not working or it's toxic or there's something not right with it, then, you know, you can leave and you can go on and be even happier. So yeah. again, that's something to take into consideration because I think people think I'm staying for the kids, but actually what you're doing is potentially causing more damage for your kids because you're teaching them a life lesson, which isn't going to serve them when they get into their own relationships and start adopting the same role that you had. So mm. again, remember, kids are watching, even though you may be plastering on a smile every day and saying how wonderful life is, they'll pick up on a lot more than that. They'll pick up on what's really going on. Yeah, they're very, very clever like that, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> My daughter catches me out all the time. <laughs> what's going on with you, mum, today? What's that? She's like a little uh, inspector asking loads of questions all the time. Um, so, so thank you for that. I think that's been really interesting hearing your thoughts on this. Um, so just as we wrap up, just um, tell me about your book. Well, I've got two books. So my first book is called Uncoupling, How to Survive and Thrive uh, During Breakup and Divorce. And my second book is called The Split, 30 Days from Breakup to Breakthrough. And that's more of a 30 day plan to follow if you're going through a breakup right now. But both designed to give you tools to cope with the roller coaster of breakups and divorce. So, yeah, that's what they help people with. 
that sounds amazing and um, I, we sort of you said at the beginning that I'm not the financial expert I'm not sure what we can talk about when it comes to like all the financial stuff but the reality is is that a lot of everything we've talked about today overlaps into money in some degree and the decisions and relationships people have around money and I really believe in that everyone having that conversation in terms of framing the conversation what they want it to look like and what they maybe want to change so if it's you know having a higher allowance or a greater understanding of the joint finances um because you don't want to have to keep asking for money that's a, you know that can be a, deemed as a under the british law now an actual criminal offense of financial control or it might be as simple as hey um i'm paying more towards the bills and the, the gas and the electric now i know you're paying the mortgage but um, I, what I want to do is put everything into a joint account and actually we proportionately pay everything as a proportion, which is a, a suggestion I make to a lot of couples where oh, I'm earning more and you're earning less. Therefore, I'm worth more because I'm earning more. There's like this power of like dimension around it. OK, well, let's look at your earnings and proportionate what the total family outgoings are based on your salary and then you're actually equally uh, uh, paying towards the family household rather than it being one's bigger or better than the other and there's different conversations to be had and that all starts with the relationship itself it all starts with that communication and how you're speaking to each other and how you're I love the way you've you've talked about it in such a empowering way quite a motivational way I don't know if you realize this you're, you're at no point have you come from a place of negativity you've always you've always framed it in a very positive light um, and I and I love that and I think when people are in these situations that's what they need well it's your choice at the end of the day you know at the end of the day you can choose to turn this around get through it learn the life lessons because life has a funny way doesn't it of teaching us the same lessons over and over again until we sit up and take note and do you want to drag this breakup and the situation forward with you like a grey cloud? Or do you want to turn it into something positive that you can have learned from, that you can empower your kids, that you can empower other friends going through tough times and show them how it's done? You know, it might not be easy, but it's small steps every day. Lots of support available and you can definitely do it. You're not alone. There's lots of other people doing it, too. And, you know, I've been there myself and I know that it's absolutely pos pos possible to do. So, yeah. I Amazing. say go for it. And how can people connect with you? They can follow me on Instagram, Sarah Davison Divorce Coach. Go to my website, saradavison.com. I've so trained people to become coaches. So if you're interested in that, that's also on my website. Um, yeah, I do lots of free videos. I've got free guides. Um, so yeah, follow me on social media and you can find out what's going on. Oh, and my podcast, Heartbreak to Happiness, obviously has lots of free tools, free gifts and um, great interviews with people. So worth listening to too amazing sounds brilliant and all the in the show notes you'll have all the links to those you can go and check them out thank you sarah for joining me today it's been amazing thanks for having me i've loved every minute brilliant take care thank you for joining us on today's episode of accelerate your wealth for further help or to connect with rebecca directly please head over to the website www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk where you can find further information on our planner, book and how to further maximise your wealth. For any regulated advice, please do head over to www.evolutionfinancialplanning.co.uk.